0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by fantasypoints.com. Top level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. This is a Thanksgiving week special. Brett Whitefield and Stephen O'Rourke here with you this fine week of lots of food. And we're definitely going to get into some food takes, Steve. But how are you?
1: I'm good. I, I'm doing well. Uh, it's reached the point, and I swear it happened like a, like a switch was turned on and off. But it's really, it's getting dark early. Oh, it's, man. Uh, it's such a pain in the butt. I mean, yeah. like I, like, what was it? It was not last night, but the night before I was sitting there. And it was like six thirty, and my my wife looks at me and she goes, she's she's like, oh my gosh, it's so late. I need to go to bed. And I looked at my phone. And I'm like, well, oh, it's six thirty, so I think we have a little bit before we do that. And it's <laughs> just like it's just that time of year where, yep. I don't know, it's, it, it's it's light for like ten hours,
0: for sure. You and you know it. what's crazy is it's been we've had a really sunny fall for Michigan standards. Yeah. but yesterday it was that gloomy rainy day all day which that's what we're yep. used to in the fall here and that just makes you feel tired no matter what like you can oh, eat yeah. healthy and work out and it doesn't matter what you do get good sleep and you're just you feel exhausted just because it's so gross outside right so yeah that's it's always a bummer um I will. I will say this though: it's easier getting the kids to bed because they don't know that it's. They think it's super late outside. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, right, oh, right. <laughs> it must be way past my bedtime. <laughs> but anyways,
1: all right. Thanksgiving that it gets dark when they get out of school now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> sometimes like, you know, they they have extracurriculars like practices or whatever, and and it's dark before we get home. So yeah. right, yeah. Um, but it is Thanksgiving week. Um, last. You know, last year, Steve, we had a, an epic food discussion with one Christopher Whacked on the show, but yes. he's not joining us. But we can still continue the discussion. I mostly just want to know what is on your menu this year, and uh, are you are you a traditional food guy, or or do you guys make it a little more exotic?
1: Yeah, this year I actually have no concept or idea of what's on the plate because this is the first year in a, a gosh in a while actually that we're actually spending Thanksgiving. With like our one of our big families, like my, oh. we're gonna go over to my wife's parents' house, and their whole extended family is gonna be there. So for the first year in like three years, we're not in control of the menu, and oh. like, I like mean, I I assume it's gonna be mostly traditional food. They're turkey um, ham, yeah. They're a pretty traditional family. I imagine it's gonna be mostly traditional, and we're it's just gonna be your standard Thanksgiving food. Which I'm fine with, you know. I I, I like like the last couple of years we have kind of done things differently and kind of switched it up a little bit. But it'll be ni- it'll be kind of nice to do the whole turkey and I imagine it'll be turkey and you know mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, all that, yeah, they, all that stuff. So, which a return to the basics for us.
0: Yes. Well, I'm sure this doesn't surprise you, but my my hot take is that turkey is awful. Um,
1: yeah. As I say, you've thrown that out there a couple times and I'm, I mean, I agree. I think yeah. that we could have, we could have, and should have gone in so many different directions with Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big day. It's a big deal. People love it. Why do we have to settle for an okay bird?
0: Exactly. Well, and the big issue with, with Turkey isn't actually the Turkey. It's usually 95% of people cook the whole Turkey together. And the problem is, is the different meats on the turkey cook at different temperatures and different speeds, like the breast, for example, the white meat that everyone loves, that really beautiful cut um, that cooks extremely faster than the dark meat of the of the bird. So if you're pulling it at the correct temperature. If you, if you wait till the breast is ready and pull that, then something else might not be done. Or if you wait till all the dark meat is it hits, you know, like one sixty five before you pull it, your breast meat's gonna be super dried out. And right. I've I've yet to go to a you know, and you can smoke a turkey, you can deep fry, yeah, that adds flavor for sure, but it doesn't change the fact that the texture still sucks, um, in my opinion. So um, if you want to actually truly cook a turkey and do it well, you have to you have to cut it up and cook each part individually to their proper temperatures. But anyways, yeah. so I well, we're doing, so, you know, you know, last year we had a pretty exotic meal this year. We're going pretty nuts. Um, we're do, we're sticking with the prime rib. So prime rib is a thing.
1: Nice. I'm also
0: doing a venison roast. Oh. So I'm seared off really nice. Then, you know, get it in the slow cooker for, you know, eight hours with, traditional potatoes carrots celery onion yada 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 make a really nice au jus for it it's delicious then i'm also doing three crown roast of lamb that's gonna be just banging. i made a traditional yemeni garlic sauce and a um pistachio mint pesto to throw on that baby so that's gonna be cool i'm also doing like sweet potato mash uh a big tray of that i'm doing um some couscous some pearl couscous for the for the lamb so it's not traditional, but it's still going to be freaking delicious. My brothers, though, they are coming, and they were like, dude, menu looks amazing. I can't do Thanksgiving without stuffing, though. Do you mind if we bring stuffing? I was like, no, bring whatever you want. <laughs> but whatever side you want that I'm not making, bring it. I don't care. Um, so we are going right. to have stuffing. So it's going to be all this nice, exotic menu and then stuffing.
1: <laughs> and then Which, classic stuffing.
0: And classic stuffing. Yeah, it'll be cool. So, yeah, no, I'm
1: excited. So I'm i of that.
0: Maybe I'll save you a plate. You live close enough. I could could get that you one on Friday. Be, you know,
1: I would appreciate that because I would <laughs> slam that stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, so my brothers too. They're this is the first time. So we're we're actually hosting this year. We don't normally host. It's normally at my dad's house. Oh, but okay. We had some family, um, you know, stuff going on. I don't want to get into. But, anyways, because of that, the family is kind of separated throughout the state this year. And, but my brothers are coming over and we haven't, the three of us have not celebrated Thanksgiving together intentionally in like a decade, you know, cause we all have our individual families like my wife. Right. And so usually we're, we're separate. Sometimes we end up together for like dessert at the end of the night, but usually we, we don't see each other. So this is really cool. They're coming and they're both big dudes. I'm the runt of the family. I'm small compared to, really. Them. Um, yeah, they're, they're both. I think everybody
1: would be surprised to hear that
0: yeah right i know so my brother jason for example just won the u.s national strongman corps so he is he's officially <laughs> the nation's strongest cow. master what's that
1: i said not a big deal holy crap
0: yeah yeah i mean this is what they do they're strongman competitors they're you know my brother brian owns multiple gyms and he's a kind of a fitness guy but he he if you've seen a strongman competitor he's you know the stereotype version of that he's you know 320 pounds and just wider than a, a door frame so right um so i i've you know we're not having that many people but i had to go big because we're, we're feeding giants literal giants right. <laughs> so, um anyways exciting times and then there's football on all day which is that just makes the day awesome so yeah um but steve today we thought that we would get into um fatal flaws let's talk let's go through our contenders i think We probably agree on the contenders. I think realistically there's probably four in each conference, give or take. You know, I'm not sure some of these are truly contenders, but because they've been in the mix the last couple of years, I think we're including them. Um, And there's some new faces as well. But we want to go through each team that we consider a contender and talk to you guys about what we think the fatal flaw. What is the one thing that could hold that team back? Um, Steve, why don't you get us started with – you want to do the Eagles? Did you prepare the Eagles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think
1: I think we saw it. I mean, firsthand. I I mean, the reason we thought, or yeah, we thought of this idea was because of the game on Monday, which was a good game. But I think that you came away from it feeling not as good about both both teams. And with the Eagles, I think the biggest thing that you're worried about right now is play calling. Yeah, I mean, their defense. Their defense is solid. They. You know, they kind of got ran on in the first half. They really shut it down in the second half. I think that was a big thing that turned the game. And their secondary has moments where you know they don't play the greatest, but they have a really good pass rush. So that kind of gets covered up, and you can they can deal with that, and they have enough athletes back there. But with the play calling, you just the whole first half, and even I halfway through the second half, you I feel like everybody was kind of feeling like there was a lot left on the bone and you didn't really understand the flow of what they were trying to do on offense. It was, I mean, they completely didn't target AJ Brown. I think he had like three or four targets at most. And, you know, one of them was a short in route that he caught. The others were a couple deep balls that, you know, they weren't able to connect on. He did have one that I think was AJ Brown's fault. He had that, that touch. uh, They were in the red zone it was like a 20-yard goer out, and he kind of hesitated. He, like, stopped to – I think he hesitated because he wanted to make a play on the jump ball, but then realized that it, the trajectory of the ball was going to be more for an over-the-shoulder, paused, and, you know, he could have had it. But it just – the flow of their play calling and what they do, it just doesn't seem connected, and it just seems disjointed at yeah. times. Like, running – you know, you're running three to four screens in a row for zero yards, and – having none of them go to AJ Brown and two of them go to Julio Jones just doesn't That's seem like offense, bro. Right. it just, doesn't seem like the way you want to utilize the weapons that they have. And I just think that they, I, they could get them into trouble come the playoffs where yeah. all it takes is, you know, obviously their offense can explode at any time. They showed that on Monday. It's the reason that they won, but all it takes is for that, calling to keep going and those big plays not to hit you know if they get if they are able to if the Chiefs stopped that third down throw to to onto Smith we're having a completely different conversation and yeah. that's the that is the benefit of their offense is that they have enough dudes that they can kind of transcend that a little bit but I think that you could see an issue of you know the 49ers if they went in which we get to see them play here in two weeks but when you go up against these better teams, every drive is really important. Yeah. And every drive, like you need something to happen and you just get worried about their offensive play calling. And I know you were kind of on the forefront a little bit of it last year that you had been kind of worried with Stike at times, and I think it's amplified even more this year
0: yeah. and you're feeling
1: it even more this year.
0: Yeah. I've talked about last year, I got into it a good bit. And then this year, you know, my criticisms been more on the play designs than the actual play calling. But you saw that, like both are bad at times, and and the play calling is really kind of, I guess, when you don't design plays well, then your play calling is more likely to be bad too because you're you're in the right. plays I don't like a lot. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this has been, you know, Steichen like Brian Johnson's taken everything I I had issues with with this offense last year, and he's amplified it by a hundred. So where yeah. at least Steichen still was a really good play caller in my opinion. Just I didn't like some of his answers for hot. I didn't like, you know, that he doesn't utilize a ton of inbreaking routes in his concepts. Where Brian Johnson now has literally like almost eliminated inbreakers, other than, you know, the the short post to AJ Brown. They run that play a lot, but that's it. There's no right. there's no deep crossers, there's no shallow crossers, there's no they don't run dagger really. They don't run Yankee, nothing. Like no inbreakers. Um and then and then just they put so much on Jalen Hurt's shoulders for answers to hot. They don't they don't build in a lot of easy checkdowns for him. Uh, there's not a lot of checks at the line he can do when he's, when he knows he's about to be pressured. They like, he is the answer by time. Yeah. Get free. But when he's clearly hide, they're clearly hiding some type of injury with him, by the way. Um, right. I don't want to be super like conspiratorial, but I mean, it's, it's obvious he doesn't have the juice and the burst he had last year. Um, when that's going on though, you're just like, he can't carry this the entire year. So I totally agree. Play calling is an issue play design is an issue that could be you know really bad. it's really frustrating too because like you said they do have the dudes especially when goddard was healthy goddard aj brown devante smith deandre swift these are all weapons in the past game um yeah you know, they even had some speedsters like on the bench they, and they don't use any, any of them other than you know boom or bust type plays screens or goes and anyways yeah good good stuff there i like it um, you mentioned San Francisco in that bit. So I'll just go ahead and jump right into that. They, So this is a pretty complete team. They got a great roster. Um, Brock Purdy seems to have weathered the the yips storm he was in. Uh, yep. Looked really good on Sunday. I think their fatal flaw, Steve, is their secondary. It is, and, and I talked about this on the Matchup Points podcast when we're trying to project wide receivers against 49ers. The inclination is to be very um, scared of the 49ers. But the yeah. reality is, if, if your team has the offensive tackles to slow down their edge rush, you can throw on the 49ers all day long. We've seen it multiple times this year now. The Vikings, um, without Justin Jefferson, just shredded them. Um, and they have a, a great, you know, tackle duo. The concerning thing for me with the 49ers is look at the other contending teams in the NFC the Lions, the Eagles. I mean, I don't. we're not throwing the Vikings in there, but if they had to somehow, <laughs> if they ran into the Vikings, say, like in the first or second round of the playoffs, like that could be. Well, I should say first because I don't think the Vikings are getting past that. But um it's a, those are all real possibilities. All those teams have really good tackle play. Dallas even is getting decent tackle play right now, although it's been yeah. on the decline for a couple of weeks. But um man, like that's just scary to me because when they when those pass rushers aren't getting home, the secondary has been beatable. Um all of them too, not just not just one guy. Taverius Ward has looked, you know, not the same at times. Lenore has not looked great. Isaiah Oliver, who I think got benched, but might have to play now that Hufunga yeah. is hurt. So, uh, I was going to say, because I
1: mean, they rolled out um, Ambry Thomas at the yeah. outside corner with Lenore bumping inside this week.
0: Yep. So I'm curious to see how they handle the... the. Well, that's the other thing, too, is Hufunga is now out for the season, it looks like, with the torn ACL. So they're, they're even down a guy from when I originally constructed this take. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think that really is a fatal flaw, especially when it is a passing league, as you know, and all of those teams I mentioned can throw the ball, at, you know, when the, when they need to.
1: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think their defense as a whole, the outside of the pass rush has kind of left things to be wanting. Even in, normally it wouldn't be as poignant. But I think because of the conference they're in with the Eagles and the Lions, you know, presumably being the other top two, two out of the three seeds, the 49ers run run defense hasn't been as like staunch as it had been in years prior. I mean, years prior, they were always at the top in yards per carry preventing explosive runs. And, you know, just the nature of how good their offense is. It generally gets them to a game script where, you know, the other team isn't running the ball as much. So that always helped too. But this year teams are able to run the ball on there a little bit more too. And, the explosive play rate or the explosive run rate isn't huge. It's at four four point four percent, but that's still you know bottom yeah. fifteen in the league, which
0: compared you can, to last you can year. Find out carries against them too.
1: Yeah, and so that's also something that I look at. And again, if if they were in the AFC, I would say doesn't matter, not that big of a deal. But because of the because they'll probably have to play the Eagles or the Lion Ly- and or the Lions, that could come into play because those are both teams that do love to run yeah. run first and set up the pass later. So
0: it yeah, seems I like they're that... really missing their D coordinator. Um, Houston Texans head coach uh, D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially when you see what Domico's done with far less talent in Houston. I mean, he's got those boys playing really freaking good on defense. Secondary is playing really well. They're manufacturing enough pass rush. Um, the run defense is excellent. I think, the 49ers are, are really missing him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 49ers rely, they're kind of just banking on splash plays. It's kind of what they do with their offense, too, is where they're like, <laughs> we have better, we have more dudes than you do. And eventually that's going to win out. And that's what they've been doing on defense this year. And, you know, it's not, like I said, we're, we're not seeing as staunch a play and on, you know, both the back end and the front seven as you're kind of used to with them. And yeah. the, I mean, that's what they do on offense, too. But with offense, you know, they have Kyle Shanahan. So their design, you know, amplifies the the, the dudes that they have on offense.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump to Dallas. Dallas, you know, are they truly a contender? I don't know. They seem to be in the mix. Their team, they're top to bottom, Steve. They they arguably have a, a top three roster in the NFL. Like they're deep just about everywhere. Yeah. I think pre show we were kind of talking. I wanted to go offensive line, but you said you made a good point. You said, How about just offense in general, like their play calling specifically? So why don't you run with that? Talk about offensive play calling in Dallas.
1: Yeah. I mean, so with Dallas, obviously the team kind of starts and stops with their defense, in my opinion. That yes. they, you know, they can put a te- any team out of the game pretty early with the way their defense plays. But when that doesn't happen, and if we've seen their defense get, you know, kind of, kind of, they've they've been able to put yards or yards have been able to be put up against them. Not often, but it happens, and it's you know it's happened against some of the better teams. But it's that when that happens, you know, when their defense kind of falters, they have it a, a a fantastic ability to go stagnant sometimes. And I think that they've started to remedy that a little bit towards the last couple weeks. You've seen their offense come alive a little bit, but. You look at their roster and it their offense looks good on paper. It's just that there are times where Brandon Brandon Cooks goes dark. Michael Gallup goes dark. The run game is not what it used to be, the, you know, probably two, three years ago. I think that, I don't know, Tony Pollard taking over as a lead back. We're not seeing the explosiveness and, you know, all those splash plays that he kind of produced when he was committeeing with um, – with Zeke and how you're, I mean, you're, you're seeing Rico Dowdle, who's kind of taking over what Tony Pollard was beforehand, where now I think that people are like, well, why don't we get Dowdle more um more, more burn and mm-hmm. get those splash plays. And it's, it seems to be a never ending cycle with the Cowboys, but it's just that all of a sudden it happens in games where it's a one trick pony offense, where it's either get it to CD lamb or it's dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think Dak Prescott has played better the second half of the year, I think he's starting to come alive. You're seeing like the third down numbers look really good and he looks, he looks more comfortable, but just, I don't They, they just need to be better about uh, keeping everyone involved. I think is the biggest thing is that keep spreading the ball out. Don't fall into that trap of forcing the ball to CD. I, I think that the best games that they have are when his targets and his yards come naturally as opposed to more of a you know last resort we can only target him cuz nobody else is getting open they have to keep scheming it scheming it up to get everybody open and get guys like Brandon Cooks big games and get Michael Gallup involved a little bit more even though he has lost a little bit of juice but yeah i mean and this was my this was my worry with them because of Mike McCarthy for the beginning of the season and you're seeing it at times and i think that They've had a couple of weeks where they've beaten up on some bad teams. Yeah. And that kind of I think pulls everyone off of that and you don't notice it as much. But it's the games against the Eagles where they face a better defense and they face teams that can match their talent level a little bit and they get into trouble just because they can't consistently create on offense outside of Dak, you know, creating outside of the pocket and C D Lamb being force fed the ball.
0: For sure. I think Ferg has quietly had a uh, a good season, but I mean, they don't have the horses like the Eagles or the Lions or the 49ers on offense. They just don't, um, you know, Brandon Cooks until that big game he had. Was it last week or the week before he he was like bottom five in yards per route run? Yeah, he was on the all track team or all cross country team where he was just out there running routes and not doing anything. Right, right. Um, Gallup, you know, he looks like he's better than he was last year. But he's still just a contested catch guy right now. I mean, he's like – I'd still rather have Zay Jones to do that job than Michael Gallup at this point. Yeah. And, you know, Cavante Turpin is all giving them a spark here and there because he's a big play guy. But, like, they, they yep. just don't have the horses, I think. Like, if they get in a true shootout, I don't think that offense is going to do too well. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, good stuff there. Let's move to the AFC – no, whoa, 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 whoa! I missed a team. I missed an NFC team, Steve. The Detroit Lions.
1: I know Jeez. you're not. You're still still not used to it.
0: I'm, yeah, and I'm also in denial because this the the Lions' fatal flaw might be the worst of the NFC, and that's uh, um, uh, their pass rush versus specifically versus mobile QBs is, is not existing. Yeah. They and, and the reason it's so concerning is because you kind of feel the inevitability that they're gonna play the Eagles in the playoffs at some point. Yeah. whether that's the second round or the a- or NFC championship or whatever. Like the, the chances of them running into a team with a pretty mobile quarterback in the playoffs is is pretty high. And now thankfully there's no one really else to be super worried about. Maybe Seattle if they happen to catch them. It yeah. doesn't look like it will work out that way as of right now, but there's still a lot of season left to play. Um, but man, that's, that's crazy. So the Lions pass rush just completely falls apart against mobile QBs. Aaron Glenn, I, I've been saying – all year that he's scared of mobile QBs and you can't convince me. He's not with the way he calls plays. He, all that aggression he had, you know, f- look at last year, especially first half of last year, the lions, they would zero blitz a ton. They would blitz in general yeah. a lot. Um, I think going in, like the last three weeks going into this recent game against um, Justin Fields, they were number two in blitz rate in the NFL over the last three weeks. When they, when they see quarterbacks, that they don't view as hyper mobile. They are very aggressive. Yeah. they love to play coverage, or they love to play single coverage, man coverage, and, and get after you. Look at the games against the Packers and the Falcons; those guys aren't super like Love and Ritter are. You know, they're not statues, but they're not super mobile. And the Lions blitz the crap out of both those guys, got a ton of sacks in those games. Then you line them up against Justin Herbert and um, Justin Fields, and they totally and Geno Smith. But early in the season, they just totally freak out. They play. They do all these weird defensive lineman drops. Like I think they blitzed four times the other day. Steve, there's less than eighteen yeah. percent of dropbacks, and their season averages in the high twenties. So um, they just really get conservative, and there's just they're basically giving the opposing quarterback all day to throw. And it, it doesn't have to be a fatal flaw. I think that's the part that's a little frustrating about them is it doesn't have to be a fatal flaw. They could change schematically what they're doing to make it. Same with like the what we call it, said about the Eagles. They could yeah. change what they're doing. It doesn't have to be a fatal flaw. Well, the Lions, they could do the same thing. Like, AG needs to make adjustments. And Dan Campbell did say this week that they're at the point now where they will be looking into other people's opinions about how to stop mobile quarterbacks, which I think, which is, <laughs> a.k.a. Flawed. Calvin Shepard's going to have a say. Yeah. Because... Um, <laughs> Yeah, because the game plans just been trash for what this is. This is going back to last year. There's probably the sixth game now, seventh game, where a, a hypermobile quarterback just shredded them. No, they're still getting wins out of it, so it's not like the end of the world. But it that game on Sunday was way tougher than it needed to be for them. <laughs> so
1: yeah, yeah, and, and you just I don't think you can get into a shootout with the Chargers, and you can get into a shootout with the Bears and things like yep. that, but you don't want to get into that type of game with the Eagles and the 49ers because that's where – and the 49ers, obviously, Purdy's not really that mobile. But it's just you can't – against those defenses, you can't bank on scoring twice in three minutes and score yep. putting up 41 points in a game. So I agree. The old
0: and, was the other one, by the way. Yeah, Lamar killed yeah. them.
1: Yeah. And it's – it's, it extends to the entire defense with them too. That it feels like with the mobile quarterbacks, the defensive backfield has more miscommunications when they play those guys. It's just, it all seems they, so they disjointed. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, they just don't have the, they don't have guys. They have Aiden Hutchinson, Ali McNeil's playing well. Outside of those two, they have no juice inside and the, um, coming off the edge opposite hutch it's wildly inconsistent and yeah that's where these they brush four or even three sometimes they give them these huge running lanes and it gives it gives these mobile quarterbacks the ability to either run and take off or you know yeah. scramble outside the pocket and just let everybody run free because it's been four seconds and the lions defense no secondary is good at covering over four seconds so right. yeah I, it's it's there yeah, their defense. You're you're just seeing the talent deficit where you were hoping the scheme would play through and you were hoping a couple guys would, you know, develop on the edge that just isn't happening. You're getting, you know, good linebacker play this year out of Anzalone better than you've ever seen. And I think that's kind of a revelation, but it's just what you were what you were hoping would kind of pull through as a good pass rushing unit as a unit hasn't been there. And it sh- it really is amplified when you know quarterbacks are well mo- are mobile because a lot of the a lot of the lion sacks are covered sacks and that works great against not mobile quarterbacks and you've seen it but yeah it doesn't work against yeah, guys who can get on the move a little bit
0: a lot of their sacks have been covered like the two variety coverage sacks or they they schemed it up you know there was a game against the Falcons where I mean they were they were playing mind games with Arthur Smith and they were, they yeah. were basically free rushers on every play. You know, I think Anzalone had two sacks in that game. Barnes had two sacks in that game. And then Hutch had one or two and Aleem had one. So yeah, they, but as far as a straight rush for drop back, they're not getting quick pressure, not getting, not generating sacks that way, unless it is a coverage sack, which doesn't work against mobile QBs. Yeah. So, all right, let's move to the AFC now. Officially um, we'll, we'll blast through these here. Kansas city, I think everyone knows what their fatal flaw is. Their group of pass catchers is um, as the kids say, not it. Uh, they no they struggle. Uh I mean, dude, it's frustrating because you see like Rashi Rice looks really good. If it wasn't for Rashi, this unit would be dead, by the way. But yes, he's, he's been good enough even on his limited snaps that like he kind of elevates them a little bit. But like MVS, like they're paying that dude ten million dollars and he does nothing. And in big moments, he's dropping wide open passes. Um, Justin Watson is their most targeted receiver right now, which is crazy.
1: He led the – he was the leader of the entire game in targets. Yeah. I think he finished at 11.
0: In a game with A.J. Brown, Travis Kelsey, and Devontae Smith. He was the leader in targets for the game, which is great. You know, listen, Watson's a fine role player. Yeah, You want to tell me he's your wide receiver three, he's your, he's your shot guy, we're going to take shot plays to him, hit him off, play action, whatever. That's cool. I'm fine with that, but, like, he's – they're – number one right now that's pathetic uh, so anyways i mean it this is bad like kaderis tony disjointed sky Moore obviously looks like a bust at this point um they have a few other guys as well that just aren't very good so i mean i don't really know where they go from here it's a little too late in the season to fix it i think the one fix they could do is getting um uh rishi rice on the field more but man yes. they've they got issues there steve
1: yeah and Yeah, I don't. It doesn't even much. Much doesn't even need to be said about it. Like you said, it was as blatant as ever the other night. I mean, you had two huge drops by two different guys in most critical moments. You know, Patrick Mahomes made hit probably two of his better, two of his three best throws came on third and fourth, or second and third down, or second and fourth down that night, and both passes were dropped by the receiver. So
0: those were. team-on-your-back type throws.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that deep ball to MVS was one of the prettiest throws you'll ever see. And
0: The throw to Watson on fourth down was insane. Yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know the Eagles a, gave him an unnecessarily large window, but Mahomes anticipated that window and put it literally within an inch of where he wanted it. I mean, that yeah. was
1: That was yeah. nuts. Yeah, you just um, – you worry how much this is going to affect Mahomes – Just his – I mean, you're seeing his confidence get hit during games where it's close. You've seen it the last couple weeks, you know, against the Broncos and against the Eagles. And you just – yeah, it comes down to – if you look at the last couple years of playoffs, it's a couple of their games have come down to it and they've needed a guy to make a play. And teams are focusing on Kelsey. So who do they have that will be able to make a play in the big moment? And right now, you don't feel good about any of them.
0: No. Uh all right, Baltimore Steve. I don't know what direction you were gonna go here. I, I wrote, um, this go ahead. This was the hardest
1: one for me. I I I'm interested to hear yours because I didn't have one thinking yeah.
0: about it. So I went I, I ended up going O line.
1: Okay, which yeah, I, I think I, you're right there.
0: Yeah, so like pass catchers I considered because I do think it, it, the so, anyways, yeah, like Zay Flowers, they're just the way they're using him. It's not moving the needle a ton yet. OBJ though, is starting to look a little bit better, a little more yep. fresh. And then Bateman's coming alive. Like, and I know Bateman only had one catch for yeah. ten yards last week, but he looked explosive again. So, if you're gonna get an explosive element from from Bateman, you're gonna get some of that run after the catch with uh, with OBJ and some contested stuff with OBJ. And then Zay's giving you the manufacturer touches to move the chains, kind of guy. Uh, I know they're down Mandrews now, but Isaiah Likely still very good. Charlie Kohler is very good. I, I ended up just saying, no, nah, I don't think pass catchers is their fatal flaw. I think it is offensive line. They've been hurt all year on the O-line. I don't yep. think they played without both of their starting tackles uh, on Thursday night against the Bengals. And Stanley's been in and out of the lineup all year. Morgan Moses has been in and out of the lineup all year. They've had some guards miss some time. Uh, I, I think that's it. Like, Can they get those five guys healthy? I think if those five are healthy, they're fine they're not like, it's not like a world beater offensive line, but they're fine, but they just yeah. haven't, I don't think they've had all five of them in one single game this year, actually. So they're similar to the Lions' situation, except the lines just have better depth. Um, but man, like, whoo. that's uh, I think that's problematic. Now, thankfully Lamar is Lamar and he's, you know, he can evade just about anything. And, uh, you really gotta, you really gotta pressure him to generate a lot of issues in the backfield, but, um, I think when when their identity, it's still, even though they're doing it a different way, their identity is still to run the football. They want yes. to hit you in the face. We've seen that run game slow down at times, and they've had to rely on yep. Lamar's arm um, probably more than they want to. Lamar looks a lot better doing it. I'm not saying that. I'm just, the identity of the team is to be physical and aggressive, and they need you need often, healthy offensive line to do that stuff. So that's, that's it, really. And it, I'm not even sure how fatal the flaw is, but it's probably their biggest weakness right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a whole, I'd say the Ravens probably look like the most complete team in the AFC right now. I mean, as far, like you said, their weakest unit is not as weak as like like the Kansas City Chiefs receivers. Right. Like I would put their, like if you're ranking units, their offensive line would be above the Kansas City Chiefs receivers. But yeah, that's, I mean, you've seen it in years where if you can get pressure into Lamar's face, especially up the middle, that's oh. where... You can kind of get them to make mistakes. They're obviously their passing offense is different this year, and it's helped improve that a little bit. I think that just the scheme and the way they're drawing things up a lot it has created better opportunities for him and less of the garbage that I think Roman ran. But yeah, I think that you saw you've seen them get you've seen him get pressured off the edges the last couple weeks. Like um, Hendrickson was getting in there quite a bit the other night when they played and so it just yeah can they if they get that offensive line healthy I mean look out because that I really like the Ravens I think their defense is insane and Lamar is playing probably the best football of his career at least since his MVP year
0: yeah I agree um let's jump to Miami I this is another hard one because there's something about Miami I don't like. I'm not sure what it is. Um, so I, I thought about a different, few different options. I ended up going with their run defense. Yeah. Um, do you agree with that?
1: Yes, that's where I was going to go with it as well.
0: In, yeah, so what we've seen against better teams too is they're getting the line of scrimmage controlled on them. That's And honestly, both sides of the ball, in fact, um, offensive line and D line. And what happens is is that offense lives on explosive plays. Yep. They want to generate big chunks and when you, it sounds old school and tacky and analytically not sound, but when you control the flow of the game, when you, you know, limit the snaps that offense is playing, they, they do have trouble. Um, and, and you've, teams have been able to run the ball all over them. I think when Buffalo beat them, what 40 to 20 or whatever, I mean, I know Diggs had a monster game, but I'm, you know, Buffalo moved the ball on the ground to start that game. And that set everything yeah. up. And, um, I, I just think that's like it's been an issue going back to last year too. I think we all thought Christian Wilkins would step up, and he has, but they like he doesn't have a guy next to him. I think that's really competent. So,
1: I think it's uh, you. You were hoping to see better play from a healthy Jalen Phillips and yeah. Bradley Chubb, and you're not getting everything out of that edge group as you kind of as you anticipated going into the year. Right. And I think that's that's been a big issue because, like you said, Wilkins has been good like i i really like wilkins i think he's one of the better interior defensive linemen in the nfl but they just yeah it's it's trench play i think yeah trench play across the board even offense i think you know it's their ability to control the trenches is what gets them into trouble or rather their lack lack of lack of ability to yeah, I mean they're giving up one point three six yards before contact per attempt with it, which is bottom eleven in the league. So it's
0: you're seeing the, what number?
1: Uh, one point three six yards before contact.
0: Oh, weird. I'm seeing one one point six four.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Oh. oh, this is adjusted yards before contact. Sorry.
1: Oh, okay. That makes more sense. But um, it it their yards after contact number isn't too high but if they play a team with a good running back like you know if they go up against the Baltimore Ravens those are guys that you know do make yep. people miss and they scheme it up well and mm. that yards before contact number can go up can get kind of skyrocketed a little bit and it's not it isn't really explosive runs that get done against them they only give up a three percent explosive run rate but it's just yeah they're able to just get the ball smashed down their throats a little bit time after time for five, six yards, five, six yards. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, their lack lack of ability to control the line of scrimmage.
0: That's true. Um, what week was the famous 70 bomb game? Was that week one or three? Week three? I think that was week three. Three, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So in games against – bad opponents they've they've had no issue stopping the run but that's because the game script has gotten out of the out of hand but
1: yeah i mean that's that's what you want to see right now is them beat a good team
0: yeah for sure all right let's wrap it up i think we we were both hesitant to call this team a, a contender at this point but there is a glimmer of hope from this past week they have been there the last few years obviously so i think we have to call them a contender, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Um, there's a million directions we could go with this fatal flaw. Yeah. I'm gonna take a more hot takey angle and say their their fatal flaw right now is Josh Allen. Yeah. I Crickets. mean
1: <laughs> I, I can I can I can understand it. I I'm worried about their defense right now.
0: Yeah, but that's the obvious one everyone's picking.
1: It, yeah, is but. that They've lost so much talent on the defensive end that they're susceptible to just getting run on, thrown on, whatever you want to do. They just can't really control the game on defense. But, I, th- I mean, they're we haven't really talked about it a ton, but, yeah, Josh Allen is a sore spot right now in a way. Yes. He's also he's- right in the MVP race and has big games, but there's that hide side to him.
0: Yeah, they've played 11 games and dude has 16 turnovers this year. Yeah. Or maybe more, actually. I I know he had another one against the Jets. Um, interceptions and fumbles have been an issue for him. And I, I, he's fumbled the ball a lot and got it back, too. So he's just kind of – he's playing too loosey-goosey right now. It, it just reminds me of rookie Josh Allen. I started saying this at the end of last year. It's like we're seeing rookie Josh Allen. I think maybe he really misses Dable or they miss Dable. Um, obviously, they fired Dorsey and now they're going with Joe Brady. First game with Joe Brady looked good, right? But yep. um, defense got three turnovers. They had some short fields to deal with. So, you know. They had no threat of the other Brooke? team scoring. What's at that? Any
1: point. I said they had no threat of the other team scoring right. at any point.
0: Right. I don't want to minimize the success. Like, it definitely looked like an improvement. Um, yes. They ran the ball effectively, too, against a, a good run defense. And then they threw the ball effectively when needed. I think Allen was what 275 yards and three scores. He did turn the ball over again though, which <laughs> that's another and, one. I mean
1: and that's the thing is that I don't there was never really an issue with them moving the ball. If you've watched every true. Buffalo Bills game, moving the ball has never been the true. the point of contention with them. Like I am I kind of stand by and I think that Joe Brady's a good guy to ha- help to be at the helm of the offense but i don't think ken dorsey should have been fired because Ooh. It, i it, it, josh allen turning the ball over and trying to make hero plays when either the game doesn't call for it or it's just not there i that's not ken dorsey's fault in my opinion i,
0: I think ken, the ken dorsey firing was more to do with the, the red zone stuff because they they've been pretty bad in the red zone which is fair, but I just... Like, like I just, you said, they, they moved the ball fine. It's just like once they get inside the 20, it's like everything gets all jumbled for them.
1: Like coming off that Broncos game, there's no way you walked away from that thinking that the... Or at least I didn't walk away from that game thinking the Buffalo Bills offense was an issue. It was the turnovers that were an issue. It was, the, it was bad turnover luck. And I just think that... They moved the ball fine. They were walking the ball up and down the field on the Broncos defense. They just turned the ball over in the, in the worst spots. And I just, yeah. Josh Allen's decision-making. I don't know if he's just trying to do too much. I don't know if he's just trying to elevate himself to a different level. And you're, it's almost like he's trying too hard and it's biting in the the ass. But yeah, it, it starts and stops with Josh Allen. They can You know, go with any offense in the league if they want to. It's just that, can he not make those dumb throws in big moments?
0: Yeah. And to be clear, as I'm saying, as of right now, I think he's the fatal flaw. I also think Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, has a ton of talent and can get it figured out. If he gets it figured out, it's no longer a fatal flaw. And this team is probably right back in the mix. So,
1: I think they might have found something with the way they ran the ball in the second half against the Jets.
0: Yeah, they ran the ball really good against the Broncos too.
1: So yeah, and I think that that weeks, I think they're starting to see the utility in um, getting James Cook's more James Cook more carries over Latavius Murray, which
0: which is funny because like two weeks ago, everyone was saying the opposite.
1: <laughs> right, and I the metrics all kind of pointed to playing James Cook, and that this was going to happen but it's yeah. hard It's hard to see when you don't have those metrics in front of you and you're just watching the game, and it did look like, well, Latavius Murray is the one breaking off the seven, eight-yard runs, but that's all he has in him is seven, eight-yard runs. He doesn't have the 25-plus-yard run ability as much as James Cook.
0: Yeah. They've also gotten Khalil Shakir a little more involved, and what they've seen there is he's an explosive playmaker. Like that guy yeah. – Big-time ball skills downfield, good after the catch. He's fast. I think that's a big win for them. Um, they, you to, know, they, they signed Deontay Hardy to do explosive playmaker-type stuff and just hasn't really worked. Maybe Shakir gets more run now that he's performed well a couple weeks in a row. Tank Johnson, former Detroit Lion great. Yeah. Coming in with uh, the 28-yard touchdown the other day. That was uh, a nice little play. They have speed, though. This is, I guess is what I'm getting at. They got a ton of speed on offense. Just kind of hasn't been uncorked yet.
1: Yeah, I think that I that was. I'm glad you touched on Shakir because I meant to bring that up. But he's opening up a part in the past game that I think that one they thought Gabe Davis would, and two they desperately needed. because now yeah. now they're at a point where potentially with how Kincaid's playing well, Khalil, Khalil Shakir coming alive a little bit. That offense isn't as reliant on Stefan Diggs to be the starting and stopping point with that passing offense, and I think that that had been a fatal flaw of theirs earlier in the year. Is that they
0: finding too. production
1: finding production outside of Stephon Diggs was brutal, and yeah. you know, hopefully, Shakir coming alive, you know, at least it then would lend to potentially opening up more things for Gabe Davis and. You will have the game scripts where Stephon Diggs goes off. That's just because he's Stephon yeah. Diggs. But yeah, I think that you could see an explosion from this offense if this if their turnover luck flips the other way and Josh Allen protects the ball three percent better.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Then, I mean, yeah, this offense can put up forty five a game
0: easily. Yeah. And shout out to Chris Weck too. He's been bagging on the Bills' uh, roster building for eighteen months now. Yeah. how they treated the receivers, not getting Diggs any help, you know, late late round capital spent on receivers or cheap free agents. They've never really made a concerted effort to get him help. And he he's right. I think that's that's reared its head probably the last 20 games for Buffalo and, and now they're finally getting a little something out of Shakir. Um Kincaid obviously is basically a receiver too, so that helps. Um, but yeah, good points yeah, all around. It, it, it,
1: if you look through their draft history of like the first three rounds, the last hmm, six years, it's really jarring to see it all on paper in front of you because yeah. they've, there've been a lot of misses. Oh yeah. A lot of, a lot of bets on guys that haven't materialized.
0: Yep. A lot of, they, they've done a lot of drafting developmental defensive linemen. Yeah. And they're, some of those guys are starting to play well now, like Epinesa's finally got a role and he looks yep. good. Russo finally getting there. Um, I think Oliver is, yeah, at Oliver,
1: the step that I think that everybody's been waiting for for four years at this point.
0: Yeah, they, they clearly thought he took the step last year because they paid the man this offseason, which I thought was crazy. Yeah. But, um, but hey, it looks like it's working out for them because Oliver yep. looks the best he's ever looked. But yeah, I mean, it is crazy how many dart throws they've truly made in the early rounds yeah. and then they've they've uh, ignored skill players on offense for the most part I mean Shakir yeah. was a fifth round pick uh I, they drafted like Isaiah Hodgins in the sixth round a few years ago you know n- not really anything special there James Cook was what a fourth or fifth round pick
1: yeah right around there
0: yeah I mean he he looks probably better than his his draft position but um point being is like they they really had ignored this they brought in digs and they kind of were like oh we're good you know, yeah, I think Dave Davis was even like a fifth round pick, so um, yeah, anyways,
1: yeah, all
0: right, guys, we got to get out of here. We're cutting it early because it is Thanksgiving week. We got stuff going on, food to cook, people to see. Um, we'll be back next week though with the full show. Thank you so much for listening. We just launched new tools, yes, we did some really cool stuff, some QB coverage matchup type stuff. We've developed like a, a matchup score. It's a proprietary algorithm that that should help you win lots of things in betting fantasy worlds. Anyways, go check that out. Really cool tools in the data suite, data.fantasypoints.com. If you have any questions, feel free to DM myself or Steven or Steve, let's get out of here.
1: Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We appreciate happy you. All.